The following program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, welcome to Easter weekend. It's also Passover. Uh, Yes, indeed. May goodness come to each and every one of you. Uh, Rebirth. Good health, sunshine, and, uh, well, I guess President Trump's wish of Americans getting back to church isn't going to happen. That's a good thing, too. Uh, We have to stay safe. We have to social distance, and we have to continue to live our lives, and that's exactly what we're doing as we bring you this broadcast this Saturday morning. Uh, Jack and I, of course, are socially distant by about 60 miles, uh, yet we're remaining very close to our clients. Conference calls, lots of hand-holding, lots of dialogue, lots of communication. If you at home, by the way, uh, have some uh, shekels and are not being properly looked after, you're not communicating with your financial advisor and you're not satisfied, you can always contact uh, Jack or I at WolfgangKlein.com. It's a show about money and uh, we're going to talk about the other half of money, uh, the segment that people don't speak enough about, and that is the bond market. Uh, yes, some call it fixed income. Well, those on the street call it fixed income. Uh, you and I know it as the bond market. And with fixed income, you receive interest. We often speak to that as yield. Uh, they are interchangeable words. So as uh, Mark uh, Goldfreak joins us this morning, he is the Chief Investment Officer for Fixed Income with Canoe Financial. That's a Canadian asset management firm, uh, partially owned by Brett Wilson. Uh, Mark, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy day to join us uh, here on Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, Happy Easter weekend to you. How are things holding in for you? Uh, Things are great. I mean, uh, getting used to being at home, and I agree with you, Wolf, uh, everybody should be social distancing, doing their best uh, to stay out of the public, and uh, hopefully we get a handle on uh, this COVID-19, flatten out that curve, which uh, uh, which is a term we all love to use now, and, and hopefully we get back to our regular lives sooner rather than later, and everybody stay safe. Yeah. So, so let's go through the, um, the last 40 days, Mark. Um, here's what's happened, obviously. Uh, the world became much more concerned with COVID. They shut the world down. The economy has been brought to a standstill self-inflicted uh, as a result of science, um, and stocks sold off precipitously. That money went into the bond market. It doesn't go to cash. It goes to the bond market. Um, so you saw this massive influx of cash coming into your sector. What did it tell you, and where do we go from here? Well, look, I, I, um, I, I'm not going to disagree with you. I think a lot of it did go into the bond market for sure, but there was a lot of fear out of the gate when the stock market was selling off about the actual plumbing of the entire um, financial system, which was met with uh, you know, a very, very strong response out of monetary policy authorities with huge amounts of quantitative easing and stimulus package uh, packages and 
rate cuts down to zero in some places in the world negative in Canada all the way down to 0.25 percent uh, we did see money flow into the bond market, but primarily out of the gate, the, the market was still fearful of risk and was not really going to the corporate bond market, but tended to go to the government market. Well, of course, um, by the land of safety. Yeah, the land of safety. That's the flight to quality, you know, the strength in the U.S. dollar. We're seeing all that we, we're seeing all those kind of trades. And it took yields down precipitously. Uh, we got uh, 10-year yields in the United States, which started off the year at 1.9%, got as low as 0.35%. Uh, and then I think we started to see some rebalance. We started to see fiscal stimulus measures. We started to see at least a response um, out of uh, global governments as to how they were going to handle um, population containment, which was allowing investors to start to value securities a little easier. I mean, we're still in a very murky uh, situation given the absolute black swan nature of this event. And, you know, Wolf, I'll, I'll tell you, I've been doing this for 30 years, and I've described many events in my career, the inflation spike in 94, uh, the tech wreck, uh, the great financial crisis as, as black swans, and they felt like it at the time. I can tell you now, I have not experienced a black swan until now. What we have just went through was a out-of-sight world global virus pandemic that has absolutely done what you said. It's taken the developed and developing world economies to a complete standstill, has created a massive amount of economic devastation as consumption has, uh, you know, basically gone to zero. We're going to see some terrible, terrible numbers on the economy over the next few months. And the hard thing for us as investors is handicapping that devastation versus the amount of fiscal policy res response that we've seen and the monetary policy response. Yeah, I want to again uh, just jump in there, Mark, just to help the listener out. It's early in the morning, and you're a very smart guy and uh, very technical, and the world is technical. Um, when, when Mark speaks of monetary policy, he's speaking about money, uh, monetary money. And basically, the uh, central bank uh, around the world have made money cheaper, and they do that by lowering interest rates. When Mark speaks of fiscal policy, he's now speaking about the other government tools available, notably uh, tax reduction and government spending. You are listening to Hi-Fi Radio. It's on the Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. Happy Easter weekend. Uh, it is Groundhog Day to most of us, but it's still a, a weekend to celebrate. To celebrate your health, celebrate your safety. Uh, and uh, please, if anyone around you has been infected with the virus, um, Godspeed uh, from the Wolf on Bay Street. Uh, we're going to take a little break and get right back with Mark Goldfried. Goldfried, excuse me, he is the head of fixed income at uh, CI. Uh, excuse me, at Canoe Financial, uh, aka Brett Wilson's uh, asset management firm. Uh, more show right after this. Money. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It was Christmas in prison, and the food was real good. We had turkey and pistols carved out of wood. And I dream of her always, even when I... Don't dream her name's on my tongue and her blood's in my strength. Uh, good morning to you, my friends. That song makes me cry. It really does. John Prine, five decades of brilliant, brilliant writing uh, taken uh, by COVID-19. Um, just an absolute singer-songwriter. 
uh, folk music uh, extraordinaire. We're going to be playing him and tributing John Prine throughout the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio. Yes, a little uh, fidelity to mix in with your finance because music makes everything go that much better. I uh, got uh, Marco Fried on the line. He is the head of fixed income. He's the head of the bond department at Canoe Financial. Uh, so few of us think about bonds in our portfolio, uh, but they continue to work uh, over time. There's a, a classic 60-40 mix of stock and bond in one's portfolio, and that 60-40 mix continues to work uh, Tried and true it is, uh, my good friends. Yet so many of us continue to shy away from uh, the bond market. Uh, again, interest rates uh, are virtually zero. Uh, but, Mark, you, may, you mentioned something at the start of the show, and uh, uh, Jack pays a lot more attention to the bond market than I do. But uh, you said, did, 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 did I hear you say in January at the start of the year, the 10-year U.S. government bond was paying 1.9% interest in other words the yield was 1.9% or do you say it was 0.9% no no we started off uh, 2020 so d31 close was 1.9% yeah we have compressed it was 1.9 almost 2% on the 10 year and that in a matter of 90 days rolled over and or, or well the bond went up and the yield or the interest went down. And did you say it got down to just over a third of a percent on the 10-year government? That's exactly right, yeah. It was unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. And again, we, we, had, we saw negative interest rates in Canada of, uh, on the 30-day uh, Treasury, so the 30-day T-bill and the 90-day T-bill. That was, I believe, a historic moment in American history. Uh, so I have to think, uh, with, with us or the Americans flirting with negative interest rates once, uh, do you think they're going to go back to that trough and, and see rates uh, go negative the way they've witnessed them in Europe uh, to the point where the world, I think about $20 trillion of $100 trillion of bonds globally, actually had a negative yield in 2019? Do you think America is going to see more of it? Well, listen, there, there's there's two rates that we're talking about. So the overnight rate or the one that the Federal Reserve Board controls, which is at zero right now, uh, from our from what we understand, they need to legislate to take that that level below zero. Um, so instead of taking the level below zero in the interim, what they've done is provided what we call quantitative easing. So you know, I think for for the uh, for the listeners, what I'm really talking about is printing monumental amounts of of money to provide liquidity to the system, lending programs to small business, lending programs to rated uh, corporations, and even some uh, high yield companies. We got it. We got announced today. Now the yield curve that's controlled by you know, by the world, it's by uh, asset market, by the market, and the market, and and absolutely in a world where we're going to see devastating uh, economic results, uh, likely zero in the way of inflation, probably deflationary pressure, uh, and likely more volatility in equities. We absolutely could see negative rates on the yield curve in both Canada and the United States right now. Mark, Mark, I want to uh, sorry to, to, to pipe in here. Yeah. You don't have eye contact. It's difficult to control the conversation. Yes. Control freak, excuse me for that. Part of my job, pal. Uh, and of course, you are uh, listening to Hi Fi Radio. If you just tuned into us this Saturday morning, welcome to the weekend. It feels like Groundhog Day, but hey, it's Easter weekend. It's also Passover, so lots of uh, reflecting on ourselves. And uh, for the most part, it's real good. You have to admit, it's real good. Uh, we're talking about the bond market with Mark Goldfried. He's with Canoe Financial, he's the chief investment officer for fixed income, otherwise known as bonds. Um, Mark, 
I want to speak to you because I caught something on CNBC, and I believe they made a bit of an error. Um, you're speaking about stimulus, and you use, uh, again, another technical phrase, quantitative easing. That, uh, that was a term created in the financial crises. That term meant that the central bank would uh, turn on the printing press, print U.S. dollars, and then use those U.S. dollars to buy back bonds in the marketplace uh, to uh, put downward pressure on interest rates. And it worked. So my, but my question to you is now, the uh, U.S. authorities, it's been estimated that the all-in stimulus is going to equate into something like $7 trillion, give or take a T. Uh, my question to you is, how much of that money will be freshly printed, hence dilutive to any other U.S. dollar holder, versus actually borrowed in the marketplace, which therefore is not printed. It means it's being added to the debt side of the ledger. Right. Well, after today, it looks like um, probably about I – don't, I don't, I'm not sure about your $7 trillion number. It might be larger than that. I think when you add up both the monetary policy side and the fiscal side, which is the government spending programs like checks yep. back to uh, to, uh, uh, to citizens. So the monetary side's probably in the neighborhood of four to five trillion dollars now. So that that would be the mo- that would be the money printing, and uh, right. the fiscal side will make up the rest. And you know, one of the fears I think that people will have around that much stimulus and the fiscal stimulus is you know some concept of hyperinflation in the future, which we right. really don't. But by, by, okay, I want to keep my point for a sec, Mark. How much of that money do you think is going to be freshly minted versus actually borrowed? Because, again, the, the, the bull market has been running on share buybacks. And so the, um, the, uh, excuse me, the U.S. corps have been borrowing money. Now they can't borrow money anymore to buy back stock. The, uh, so the, uh, the, the, the new um, borrow out there, of course, excuse me, the U.S. central bank, of course, is going to be the one out there issuing debt. Uh, correct. Well, it's the Treasury that issues the debt, but the but yeah, the central bank's the one that prints the money and will buy the debt. But now they're going to print money. Um, I mean, look, some of it, some of the fiscal stimulus is earmarked for the monetary policy authority, the Fed, to put into the market. That's not printed. That's from tax revenue. That's from borrowing in the market. The monetary policy um, support that you're seeing, the $2.3 trillion package they announced today, the quantitative easing that you just talked about, or the money print, that's the money printing side. So I think they're going to print about 4 to $5 trillion. They'll print about 4 to $5 trillion, borrow the rest. Uh, we're talking about the fixed income market, the bond market. It's very important to pay attention to it because it is the other side uh, of the investment world. It's a very, very important side of the investment world. So we have to continue to pay attention to the bond market as it often leads the stock market. Jack and I are here to take care of you. The show is for you. It's a show about money. Uh, it's very topical these days. Uh, and as such, we're here to hold your hand. Uh, please stay tuned. Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Dear Abby, dear Abby, my feet are too long. My hair is falling out. Won't you write me a letter? Won't you give me a call? Sign bewildered. I think we're all feeling that way today. Uh, tribute to John Prine. I love the man. 
I had a big cry last night uh, over the loss of that man. I don't know him, but uh, I felt like I did. He just wrote such great lyrics. Uh, five years uh, at producing music, and in fact, he just released uh, his last album, uh, vinyl included, uh, about 12 months ago. But uh, John's life was cut short to COVID-19. It's a very sad day in the music industry. We're going to keep tributing John throughout the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money, and music makes it taste that much sweeter, even in tough times like today. Uh, Jack Hartle, you're a Johnny Cash song, but aside from Christmas in prison, you don't know very much John Prine, do you? Not a whole lot, Wolf. Not, uh, other than what you I, don't have any, I don't have any vinyl on John, but I'm going to buy you a CD. Okay, that's going to be my Christmas present. I'm going to buy you a CD of John Prine, because you, I know you, Jack, you'll love John Prine, and you will discard the cheap seats and replace that song with one of his. Uh, so John, uh, like Jack, Alabama, Wolf. Help, help. Jack helps me out with my fixed income side of the equation when it comes to managing money. Uh, Jack, I want you to pipe in here. Uh, Mark Goldfried, of course, head of fixed income at Canoe Financial. Uh, hit him with your best shot there, Jack. Sure. I, I think it's good that um, all, all the clients and all the, the listeners understand when, when Mark's talking about fixed income, uh, we talked about governments, we talked about corporates, uh, and we talked about high yield, a.k.a. junk. I think it's important that the, the listeners understand that there's a dramatic, dramatic difference uh, between those uh, types of fixed income. And, and that is one of the reasons why we typically use uh, bond managers that specialize in fixed income to uh, help us allocate uh, this side of uh, uh, our portfolios. So my question to Mark is, um, what are you seeing right now in the uh, the high yield space? Because right now the Fed sort of backed corporates, and obviously the government is backed as well. But the the Fed has stepped in and said that they will buy unlimited amount of corporate bonds, but they're not extending that same uh, offer to the high yield space. Well, well, actually, Jack, as of Friday morning, um, the Fed actually leaned in with the $2.3 trillion uh, monetary policy package. Some of it's going to go to Main Street lending, and they've extended the um, uh, the two windows that they had opened for new issuance, investment-grade corporates, and secondary corporates. And they're now saying anything that was still rated triple B, which for your listeners is the delineation between high-grade and junk bonds, anything that was still rated triple B prior to uh, March 20th and is downgraded will still be included in that program. So now the Fed has reached down into double Bs. They've also um, uh, uh, agreed to buy what we call crossover ETFs. And a a crossover is anything that has moved from um, triple B down into double B, crossed over from investment grade to junk status, and they will support that market as well. So we are seeing a huge bid in high yield this morning. Um, We're still concerned that the credit risk premium or the amount additionally we get to lend money to companies in the junk bond space isn't enough given the economic devastation and the expectation of future default. But the market loves the Fed program, and I think we all know you don't fight the Fed. Yeah, and I can see that here on my screen. The junk bonds are actually up uh, 3%. But the the one question I'd have for you then, Mark, uh, what is the spread uh, on a a junk bond versus government? And just for the listeners, the the spread's very important. So uh, when spreads blew out, as they say in the industry, um, high-yield junk corporate paper, you could borrow anywhere around 5%, somewhere in there, uh, before this crisis. And it went up to, you know, anywhere between... 10 to 13 percent so for a listener uh, listening uh to the show it's it's important for them to recognize that's like someone coming to you saying you know you could borrow on your mortgage at five percent and then within two weeks uh your your credit rating 
has forced uh, them to lend you at obviously distressed levels, call it 10 to 13 percent. So where are we at yeah. now with the uh, the spread well, on the before high you pay, Mark, I want to pipe in here because I, I like what Jack, where Jack's going with this. I want to get more into too. Spreads are too complicated for the listener right now. It's early in the morning. So tell us, on a government bond, you know, give us the, the interest that we could earn right. by buying a 10-year government bond versus 10 years with General Electric or IBM or Microsoft versus 10 years with uh, perhaps an oil company. Yeah. Okay. Well, those are that. The, there's a great uh, spread there. So that I and I, I've got this answer for you guys. So if you buy a ten-year U.S. Treasury bond or ten-year government of Canada bond today, it's around 0.75 percent. If you buy a single A corporate bond today. Uh, you're going to pay about 2.75%. I'm just saying all things being equal. Yeah, that, 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 you make about 2.75 on a corporate. Two seven yeah. on a single A corporate, which is an investment grade. It would be, um, you know, like a, a bank, uh, bank deposit, sure. um, you know, capital structure bonds of a bank, some regulated utilities. If you get down into the um, high yield space, the average. Excess yield you get for high yield as of last night was 882 basis points. So is that the all-in interest, or is that just the excess interest over the government? Add that up on top of your government, which is pretty minor right now. You know, I just told you 0.75. So high yield tends to have shorter maturity. So it's you're probably buying high yield right now in between nine to ten percent. Although we have a big rally going on in the market. So you can almost make ten. You can almost make ten percent now in the debt market, but. The debt market, I know, Jack, what's your comment when you're buying that kind of debt? How does it act in a tough market? It, it acts like equity. equity. You're buying uh, high yield or junk bonds. But uh, like, like the market, the equity, that, that is true. The, the playing field, the downside. Uh, and starts to back, then those spreads can tighten very quickly. But uh, so They can, yeah. We're running out of time here, guys. Lower uh, sorry, guys. I just want to. I just want to keep it tight here for Loretta, producer extraordinaire, who's helping us cue up some fantastic John Prine music to help make the day go by just a little bit sweeter. Uh, Mark Goldfried, uh, uh, head of fixed income for Canoe Financial, helping us with the bond market today. I can't thank you enough, Mark, uh, for your efforts. You were on the show about a year ago, and you were buying the 30-year government bond, and Jack and I were saying, oh my God, I don't know what he's doing. You were right, my good friend. You made a great call, and that's what brought you back onto the show, was your brilliant call. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio, and I wish you uh, welcome to the morning, and I want to wish my friend Mark a great weekend. Thank him for joining us. Uh, More show right after this. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. And there's a backwards old town that's often remembered So many times that my memories are warm And Daddy, won't you take me back to Muhlenberg County Down by the Green River where Paradise lay Hey, let's take the uh, clean air, you know, a little fresh air and social distancing and, well, probably have less cases of COVID. Uh, Little John Prine, my good friends, uh, John Prine's life was taken by COVID-19. God rest his soul. Uh, What a great lyricist. One of my favorite uh, country folk singers of all time. He's right up there with Johnny Cash. If you don't know John Prine, get to know him. He just wrote some wonderful, wonderful songs. And his career spanned five decades. To survive in the music business for five decades, you can only tip your hat to him. John, uh, may 
your uh, soul rest in heaven. Another song he wrote called When I Get to Heaven. He's going to shake God's hand and ask if he can join a rock band. And God bless him. Indeed, my good friends, it is uh, Easter weekend. It's Passover. And, uh, well, we're trying to cleanse our minds and our souls of ourselves and think of the greater good. But uh, money, finance, emotions, They've been running wild for the last 45 days. We're concerned. We're nervous. Uh, and you know, uh, emotions uh, are a terrible, terrible uh, director of financial uh, directions. Fear is a powerful motivator, uh, far greater than greed. Uh, who knows this best? Our good friend, Amos Nadler. Uh, he has a PhD in economics. Uh, he was a professor um, at the Wharton School of Business. He's now a chief economist at Bayesian Labs. Um, Bayesian is a digital asset manager. Uh, so, Amos, you are right there on the cutting edge of it all. Uh, and, boy, uh, did people ever need your help in the last 45 days because they were emotionally up down and for good reason. So when I want you to speak to initially, remind people almost of the danger of emotions when it comes to money. Yeah, well, good morning. Thank you, Wolf. Yeah, I like your quote there that, uh, you know, the, the mind is, is an excellent uh, servant, but a terrible master, uh, and that emotions run along the same path. Uh, it's, it's very normal to have a knee-jerk reaction to, to chaos and uncertainty, and we want to move back into safety. And what that means within trading or, you know, assets is we move into something like cash or whatever it is, and we try to exit the volatility or exit uncertainty. And what happens when we all do that, we create a self-fulfilling mechanism where our, the, our worst fears really come true, where everybody's dumping stocks and then uh, it hits all limit orders and you see this crazy system-wide crash that may over uh, overreact to what's actually happening. And that creates the problem. Yeah. Well, you know, I tell you, Jack is, is, is becoming quite the student uh, and a learned one at that uh, when it comes to uh, behavioral finance. Uh, so, Jack, I want you to pipe in here. Um, again, throw, throw uh, almost uh, uh, the tough question right here right now is as to who, what, where, when, why, and how he can help us out. Well, I think it's important, that, and almost like I said, like you said, I think in the last show that we did with him, uh, behavioral finance is a relatively new um, area of finance. But the fact is, in times of crisis, um, people actually go back to their primitive nature and they, they do the herd mentality thing. And we saw it with toilet paper. People were out uh, buying toilet paper. And if someone else is buying toilet paper, it must be the right thing to do. So I'm going to do the same thing. Uh, but you also see that in the market. But, but the, I must speak to that. What do you think of people buying toilet paper? Uh, Jack's right on it. People see one thing and they see, well, if they're doing that, that's going to create scarcity. And I don't want to be the last fool on that line. It could be toilet paper. It could be anything. Um, and some of those moves are, are irrational. Uh, and they, they actually, again, they, they're self-fulfilling. If you look at the, the bank crisis in you know, 29, people withdrawing funds out of the bank, like if, if there was not a rush on people's deposits, the crisis would not have been as deep. And so these herd, herd behaviors, uh, they bypass our own logical thinking about what we should be doing in a strategic sense. And they just think it's this immediate sense of, oh, there's scarcity. I must make sure that I have that thing. And like Jack's saying, it's like a herd mentality that we observe other people's behaviors and without really thinking, we do that same thing. Jack? 
So in times of crisis, Wolf, I would say that uh, people go back to the most basic instinct, and that is survival. And in the financial markets, it's I just want to get out. I want to sell at any price. And we saw that. It was a massive amount of fear, liquidation. And the fact is, Wolf, uh, the most safe and secure blue chip stocks, and no stock is, is uh, completely safe, but uh, the most liquid blue chip stocks, the ones that we all recognize as brands, they became a source of liquidity. So they were not even safe uh, in the last... 45 days when the market was cashed. No, absolutely correct. Everything went lower, including the Canadian dollar. But I'll tell you, my good friends at home, you're all thinking about your money right now. It's important, but please turn up your radio just a little bit. I want you to hear what I have to say. Um, if you're thinking about retirement, which those who are working are thinking about retirement, you need to go into it with more, not less. I'll tell you why. If you go into retirement with just the right amount and you witness what we call a black swan event that has just occurred and the market falls 30% in 30 days, everything Jack and Amos is referring to, survival, defensiveness, chaos, you may do the wrong thing at the wrong time and sell at the bottom. I hate to say it, we've witnessed that with a few weaker hands. The way you survive a situation like this is you have a cushion, a big cushion underneath you so that if, if it deflates, you're still going to be okay. But you know something? You are okay because you're with Jack and I right now, and we're fortunate to have Amos Nadler on the air with us. He's a chief economist at Bayesian Labs. He's been on the show since its inception. He is a uh, behavioral finance expert, has his PhD in economics and behavioral finance. Jack indicated the world of behavioral finance is a newer discipline. Yet I continue to refer to a book that I'm still trying to read, Extraordinary Popular Delusions, The Madness of Crowds. Jack couldn't get through it. I couldn't get through it. Before we go to commercial break, pop quiz to Amos. Have you read the book cover to cover? I have not, although I'm fairly... Another one who hasn't read the book. Yeah, I know. Cover, cover. One of our analysts got through it. That was Richard Davis. He's the only man I know who's read the book. Amos, that's your homework for the weekend. Extraordinary Popular Delusions, The Madness of Crowds. Crowd. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio. It's on the Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. Jack Hartle, 60 miles away, yet close to my heart. We have Amos Nava on the line, and it's a tribute to John Prine, whose life was sadly taken by COVID-19. You stay tuned, my friends. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Come on back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show, my friends. It is Hi-Fi Radio, a tribute to John Prine, one of the finest lyricists ever, a man who worked into his 70s writing, recording, producing, creating. And that's what it's all about. This man had ikiga. He found his passion, and he ran with it. May each and every one of you find your passion and run with it. And I tell you, I love what I do, but boy, oh, boy, the last 30 days, I was tempted to throw in the towel and just run away, head to the hills, Buy myself a banjo, whittle some wood, hang out with my dog, and uh, call her a day. But I didn't. No, I stuck through it. Uh, 
It was tough. Uh, it was very, very tough. But you know what I do when I get into a position of uh, uncertainty? I reach out and I call friends. Um, friends who've been there before, friends who understand uh, like-minded people who perhaps will still give me a slightly different calming perspective. Um, the world of investing should be pragmatic and straightforward. It's after all numbers, my good friends, oh, mixed in with people. And that's what makes it so interesting. New, new uh, science was created. Uh, it's called behavioral finance, how we see money and how it affects our emotions each and every day. It goes up and it goes down. And boy, it is not a dollar up and a dollar down. It's not. It's an emotional roller coaster. Uh, fear is a powerful motivator. They learn that in advertising. I was an ex-ad man. I understand that if you want to help sell advertising, tell people what they're going to miss. And boy, it can motivate them. Uh, almost now there's on the line. Uh, chief economist, uh, also a PhD in economics and behavioral finance. Uh, former um, professor at uh, the uh, Schulich School of Business, correct? It was Schulich School of Business, wasn't it? Wharton School of Business. I get them mixed up. They're all great schools nonetheless, and uh, you're a great guy, Amos. So uh, you're now uh, in the digital asset space. I'm just looking at Bitcoin uh, right here, right now, $7,200 per minted unit. Versus gold, uh, breakout, Jack, gold up $48 as we record the show on this Thursday morning. Uh, so uh, first to you, Jack, what do you think of gold versus Bitcoin right here, right now? What kind of emotional quotient is it picking up? And then I'll throw it over to Amos to answer the same question. Well, Wolf, I really can't comment on Bitcoin because I've never even traded a coin. But what I'll say is... Uh Gold over the last month, uh, just like we said with large cap equities, people were looking for source of capital. So they sold that off as aggressively as anything else. But now that you're seeing the printing of money, and we talked about that in a previous segment with Mark Goldfried, uh, gold is doing exactly what you would expect it to do uh, in a potential inflationary environment when they do print money. Uh, it's acting as uh, preservation of capital. And, and there's not a whole, it's not a big market. It's, it is big, but on a relative basis, it's not that big considered the amount of institutional money that could potentially flow into it. And like you said, you got to oh, break you know, it. You're right, Jack. No, but you're right about that. Gold relative to, because again, gold is money and gold relative to the amount of currency in circulation, it's minuscule. It's like driving a freight train through the eye of a needle. Um, over to you then, Amos. What do you think about gold versus Bitcoin? Again, you're, you're a digital asset expert, uh, so I want you to speak to that space, because that space I still cannot get my head around. Yeah, well, certainly when, when we see prices move, we make inferences or judgments about the intrinsic or fundamental value of that asset. So just in your question, just by juxtaposing gold and Bitcoin, we're pre presuming that they are in some way related. So when you think about the fundamental value of gold, it has a long, deep history of serving as a gold standard, which was repealed at some point. And then uh, it has become this sort of flight to safety for people for the reasons that, that Jack had mentioned. And now we have this new era, this new uh, form of, of digital assets coming on board. We have Bitcoin uh, and other types of digital assets. Now, they're very different in the sense that they serve completely different purposes. Um, in trying to infer the, the fundamental value of something based on a short-term price movement is, is essentially a fool's errand because we saw big drawdowns in all asset classes and probably going below their fundamental value in, in a lot of them. And so no doubt sold no, off. No, no, the, no, the, the liquid market is not a store value. But yeah. yeah. Um, it, in terms of the, the, the size of the digital asset market, again, Jack referred to uh, the gold markets quite small. If I were to guess, 
the, the value of all gold equities globally, I'm going to guess about $3 trillion. How do I come up with that number? About 3% of the global asset market. It could even be less than $3 trillion. It could be $2 trillion. Um, so what's your, what's your sense? The, the aggregate amount of assets, money in digital currencies right here, right now, internationally almost, what's your best guess? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a simple summation of, of the market caps of all the digital coins. And so like you could look at, for example, BTC, Bitcoin, the top one market cap of, you know, uh, $133 uh, billion. And then you could sum up, you know, the, the following uh, number. of them. They're small, very small relative to equities, certainly minuscule relative to real estate. Are we at a trillion yet in digital that. assets? Uh, I could look at it. It's hard to do the, the eyeball, the, the summation. My sense is no, but I can also flip it around. Yeah. That is the opportunity. Uh, again, when something's small, it can only go one way, uh, either to zero, which isn't that far to fall, or up. And that's the next point. Jack, you, know, you always make a very, very good point. And again, we have to get the break here, but I wanted to make the point for you. Jack always says there is less risk in a stock after it's Fallen, and yet people think the risk-free move is when the stock just keeps going higher and higher. And a good mm-hmm. friend of mine called that Pinot Grigio price at any price. <laughs> That's a very, very dangerous statement to make, my good friends. Uh, please stay tuned. Listen to Hi-Fi Radio. It's a tribute today to my dear friend, Mr. John Prine, whose life was sadly taken by COVID-19, one of the finest lyricists of all time. And we also have a very, very fine behavioral finance economist joining us on the show. His name is Amos Nadler. Most importantly, my good friend and partner in crime, extraordinary portfolio manager, Jack Hartle, 60 miles away from us all. We're social distancing and I can sneeze and I won't affect my good friend, Jack. Please stay tuned. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. them already. Little John Prine with Bonnie Raitt. What a classic, classic track. Uh, COVID-19 taking my good friend John Prine, one of the finest lyricists known to us. It is Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money and as they always say, music makes it go down that much easier. It's been a tough slug for us all. Well, it's a long weekend. Does it feel like a long weekend? I don't know what it feels like. It's so odd. Uh, Day after day, we remain home. Um, But hey, if this is our Christmas, if this is our prison, I'll take it. Uh, we can survive this, my good friends. We can survive this. Um, Amos Nadler, kind enough to join us, a PhD in economics, a behavioral finance former professor at the Ivy League, uh, the Ivy School of Business. Uh, almost a treat to have you on board with us. Uh, Jack Hartle, I'd have to say, is a great student of behavioral finance. Um, he continues to focus on it. He speaks of blind spots. He speaks of biases. But I'll have to share with you the uh, the challenges that Jack and I have been faced with the last 30 days. And that's probably with 3 4% of our clients who became very uneasy um, watching uh, the evisceration uh, of their assets 
uh, on their screen uh, day in, day out. And, you know, so much so, uh, one of our individuals uh, checks their account balance, I don't know, four, five, six times a day. They just hit the refresh button to see what their account is worth. Uh, I can't think they're doing any value and adding any value to their emotional state by doing that. But what do you make of that? People just check, you know, refreshing and updating their account second to second when they tell us they're long-term investors. Mm-hmm. That makes actually a lot of sense if you think about it, uh, because money is a, is a sort of a proxy for people's sense of safety in the world. And the, the sort of obsessive checking it is, is a, another way of saying, I feel unsafe with the current amount, and I'm waiting to see whether it gets worse and hoping to see that it gets better. And you see that behavior across a lot of different types of populations. Um, but that obsessiveness is a kind of a, a, a kind of an evolutionary cue to say, I need to check to make sure that I'm safe. So from a hierarchy of needs perspective, it actually makes sense. From a uh, rational perspective, that's helpful uh, to actually uh, function in your life. It's, it's quite destructive. So that's why I tell people, for example, people that are going to be investing with us is, and this is the same thing, probably that 3 to 4% you mentioned is, well, let's, let's for the moment accept that we've had this drawdown, but let's actually think through uh, your retirement date, what cash flows you need, and, and to go into that kind of method, like methodical way of looking at cash flows, which makes us actually feel better once we understand that there's a difference between feeling of emotion, feeling of cat- catastrophe, and actually thinking of its impact right now or long-term over our cash flows. Big difference between those two. Yeah, so, Jack, I want you to speak to that. Because, Jack, what's your best advice in terms of accepting, dealing, and tolerating volatility? Well, short-term volatility, I think, is really a, a long-term investor's um, opportunity. But just what uh, I'm also saying there, I think it's important that when we meet with clients that we talk about their asset allocation, that we talk about their requirements for cash, uh, time horizon, uh, risk tolerance. Those are very important things, and people sort of brush over them when they meet with us uh, at the get-go. But the, in times of crisis, that, that's really very important in terms of feeling that safety and being able to obviously rationalize their portfolios when they are falling uh, with the market. And we have outperformed the market as a, as a collective, but it still doesn't feel good when you're just uh, on a relative basis, you're yeah. beating the market, but uh, you're still down, right? But, but, but both, both Jack and Amos, my good friends at home who are tuning into Hi-Fi Radio with us right here right now, it's a show for you, it's a show about your money, um, is need for cash. Amos made the comment, Jack made the comment, and we tried to explain that to our clients that how much of your money do you need in the next 12 months? How much will you need in the next 24 months? And the answer usually comes back to us maybe 5% next year, 5% the following year. So, again, the truth is remain a long-term investor. Um, almost one of my favorite books is Reminiscence of a Stock Operator. Jack, again, reminded me of a quote in that book, and that quote is, the market is an expensive place to understand what type of a person you are. There are investors, <laughs> which Jack and I are, and there are speculators. But what has happened is investors in times of crises become speculators, and all these emotions that you've been speaking about kick into overdrive, safety, fear of loss, chaos, get me out at any price, cash, 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 only to see the snapback. So again, almost briefly speak to the, the fear of being, wishing you were in, being out wishing you were in versus in wishing you were out. What's the greater motivator in 15 seconds? A greater motivator is to know that you're able to not react to impulse and look back at yourself and say that you did the right thing. 
Yeah, that's a good answer. That's basically what Jack, that's what Jack and I are doing. We're holding hands, and we do believe for those who can continue the volatile uh, route that we are on, uh, we will be able to look back in a few years and say, "Hey, it was the right thing to do." But uh, today's going to look quite dark every now and then, my good friends, and that's why Jack and I try to be your ray of sunshine when it comes to your money. Almost Nadler, you're you're brilliant. Uh, PhD in economics, behavioral finance. Key, stay focused on that subject matter uh, as you. Um, uh, perform your chief economist roles at Bayesian <laughs> Labs. And as uh, the data on digital assets continues to improve uh, and, and evolve, please continue to share it with our listeners. I know they're also interested in the likes of Bitcoin. Uh, I want to wish each and every one of you a safe weekend, great Passover, great Easter, and social distance. Continue to do what you're supposed to do. It's working, and the market's reflecting it right here, right now. All the best to you. Listening to Hi Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi Fi Radio for the love of money. We'll see you next week. The preceding program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.